Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Well, here we are, Jim Bob. We're back for another episode of Suggestible where we say... Hey. Happy birthday to Claire. It's oh, it's Claire's birthday, birthday this week. week. That's right. <laughs> Are you excited for your birthday? Oh, birthday in quarantine lockdown. Not quarantine, just lockdown in Melbourne. Both. Look, am I excited? I am because you look very stressed, which makes me feel like you've been planning some things. You know how difficult it is to organise anything for your birthday when you can't go anywhere or see anyone? There's yeah. a, as people may know, there's a five-kilometre radius on the house, so you either got to deliver it or you got to kind of get everything within that area. Yeah, I know. And it's hell on earth. And even what <laughs> I've managed to pull off, I'm like, is this even anything? <laughs> but anyway, you'll find out when it, you know, when that all happens. Cool. But, uh, I appreciate you and I appreciate it. We are suggested, by the way, we recommend you things. We don't just talk about my birthday. I'm Claire. James is here also. And yeah, yeah, yeah. we're really excited this week to talk about some things. Usually, I don't know if anyone else out there, we have very different approaches to birthdays. Your approach to birthday is it never happened. No one pay attention to me. I'll sit in the corner with a hat on Yeah, or and I don't think this is like an age thing. I've never really no, been like No, you're a, never I mean, it probably is an age thing at this point. <laughs> but it's more, um, it's just like, who cares? Well, you oh, it's also like, I never like, when I was a teacher, I didn't want my students to know when my birthday was. Because you don't want people to know anything about no, no, you well, That's true. But the reason was because if you've ever had a birthday party for yourself with students, it's just a fucking nightmare. <laughs> Like they bring in a whole lot of food and it just gets everywhere and it ruins like half of your day and there's and then they're all high on fucking sugar for the rest of the day and it's a fucking You're nightmare. You're such a miser because yeah. my, my approach to birthdays in the past, not so yeah. much recently since I turned 30, but before that was it's my birthday, it's a whole week yeah, festival. Exactly, yeah. If there's fireworks, let them Everybody will pay attention to me. I have got, and I used to really annoy me that my birthday always fell in the school holidays. And as a kid, it used to annoy me as well because other kids would have like their cupcakes brought in on the day. And it's just not the same if you try and celebrate your birthday uh, see, mine, during school. Mine, what, when it's mine, not your actual always day. in a school holiday, and I liked that because I meant I got a day off school because like the uh-huh. idea of going into school <laughs> on my birthday was like that should be illegal. <laughs> I just wanted maximum amount of fuss made of me as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. The thing about birthdays is so. I sound like it's a not terrible a big, person. Look, I mean, mean, and to be fair, like I think other people's birthdays are good. Yeah. But I don't think they're a big deal, like yeah. at all. I know, which is why I have subsequently during our relationship tried really hard to make massive deals of your birthday and always organise like surprise parties or, no, to be fair, in recent <laughs> years I've done more subtle things yeah. like organise like a very good friend of yours to catch yeah, up with you like, for beers you, we, or something. Like, you know, we're going to go for a hike or whatever and then you're going to see a hundred <laughs> people that you know and I'm Remember like, that time I organised for your 30th a surprise superhero party where everyone mm. had to turn up 
up dressed in superhero yeah. gear and you had no idea. And then one of our friends turned up like an hour early dressed as Superman. Yeah. And I'm just like, for fuck's sake, are we having a fucking costume party? <laughs> and then everyone stormed in like someone was dressed as the actual Hulk. And, yeah. up, and you and I had like a secret a party, costume prepared for you. It was still a nightmare. Yeah. No, whereas like that's not I know, an I, contra- thing. Contrary to what people may think, dressing as Tom Cruise this week for a video. Yeah. I did not. And you should if do yourself a favour and find uh, on YouTube on Miss Sunday Movies the video of James dressed as Tom Impossible Cruise. Too. But it's <laughs> the week alone. I, I nearly didn't put it in because I'm like, this is too embarrassing. <laughs> and people love it. But I don't understand why. Like I'm like, do they do I like it ironically? Like it's because yeah. I hate it. Like I genuinely <laughs> are like this is awful. Yeah, well I was there at the end of the day. I don't know if any parents are out there, but you know that little bit of time at the end of the day where you collapse into a couch. Mm. Just like this is my one yeah. time. And then James is like, so I'm just dressing up as Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, so listen, Here's the camera. You have to last film minute. it. I'm going to do a cartwheel. Just uh, <laughs> press it here. Well, I had to do the cartwheel because Mason <laughs> mentioned it in the video we'd already recorded. Mason is James's co-host. Yeah, so I had to do it. Anyway, we should do the actual show. We should. Anyway. Anyway, so... I'm doing another Tom Cruise stunt next week. It's oh, going to be insane. goodness. I haven't me. done it yet. Okay, I have to say James did a magic trick. And it was very cool. Oh, that was in the first one. In yeah, the first we, one we from should, a Tom Cruise movie. We should do the show. Would well, you want to go first? You go first. It's, it's uh, your birthday week. Oh, all right. No, you go first this week. I feel fine. I'm going to recommend the show. It's on Netflix. It's called Close Enough. It's an Ooh. animated series. It's eight episodes, and they're each broken up into like Close two. Enough to Death, which yeah, is your much. favorite uh, thing. To I say. think. Am I closer to death than a lot? Than maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I uh, it's by JQ Quintel, uh, who made the regular show, which is a show that everybody loves and I've never seen. It stars him, uh, Gabrielle Walsh, uh, Walsh, Jason Manzukis, who's a really funny comedian slash podcasting slash acting person. Um, so the z- series revolves around a couple who are in their early 30s and they have a five-year-old daughter and they live with their divorced friends in a Los Angeles duplex, right? So it's set in that time period in life where – which is similar to where where we are now, where you can't, you're in your 30s and you're in between being like young and old. You know what I mean? So it's like, I guess it's middle age, I guess. Would be the, that would but, be the definition of middle age. Yeah, I guess it is. Are but, we middle age? Oh, yeah, I God. Guess so. I still think of myself as like, well, on I the would young be because side I think like the age. average, like the lifespan of like men is like 70 or something. So I would oh, be. So no, I'm still young and youthful. Yeah, you're still young and youthful. But <laughs> it's also like, but kind of when you've got young kids, you kind of you sometimes you're trying to lean into like the younger side of things sometimes and attempts like they go to a young nightclub or whatever to try and live it up. But it's also got this like surrealist slant to it. So at this nightclub, if they, if they find out that anybody in there is over thirty, they get they get murdered. They get lifted up into like a fan, like in Willy Wonka. And I saw you watching a bit a of fan. this. Yeah. yeah. So it's like about being like having like young kids and being broke and trying to survive and also trying to re- relive your um youth. And they're they're quite short episodes, and it's it's really funny. It's um yeah, I, I've really enjoyed it. I I'd hammered through them. I didn't even realize I like finished it, but I watched. All eight, like really quickly, and uh, now it's done. But it's the cartoon style looked a bit like Rick and Morty. Yeah, which is like yeah. a lot of things these days. But it's it's different than Rick and Morty. It's um yeah, and it's definitely got that kind of like there are like real world stuff. Like one of them's a like a video game developer, and he's you know he's trying to get things off the ground, and it's you know it's not always happening from whatever. But then like they'll meet like enchanted homeless children that want them to adopt, and they turn out to be like eighty year old homeless dwarves that attack them and it's just like it's like this whole other yeah it's like the, it's kind of walks that line so it's yeah it's, it's like very, really absurd it's very surrealist like there's a yeah. 
they meet a magical snail which <laughs> gives you a hat that makes you run fast but also makes you age really quickly. Like it's just stuff like that. But then it's <laughs> juxtaposed like with on a like, massive trip, yeah, but it's also like we don't, yeah, it is, it is like that. And it's also like, and we don't have any money. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's that the kind sort of, thing. of juxtaposition of surrealism with also a bit of reality, mm. like that hits you in the guts a bit or not really? Not really, to be no. honest. No, no, okay. <laughs> but their daughter's really funny as well, like their five-year-old daughter who they, you know, who they really like as well and their friends who they live with, a divorced couple, you know, trying to figure things out. It's just great. You should check it out. All yeah. right, okay, anyway. that sounds really good. Yeah. All right, well, I've got a really special recommendation. It's oh. a book by an illustrator called Chanel Miller and her illustrations – um, and she's a writer as well, and her illustrations are also really kind of surrealist. Yeah, and there's I, illustrations I in this book that you've read of hers. No, no. So what's interesting about Chanel Miller is for a long time she was known as Emily Doe, and I don't know if you remember this. Emily Doe um, was a woman who was um, sexually assaulted, and there was a case brought forward, people of the state of California versus Brock Allen Turner, who was like a really high-profile sort of athlete swimmer at Stanford University. Oh, um, that. Fuck with yeah, yeah. and that, she was she was dis- that was her that was her and she was oh. discovered unconscious behind a dumpster. After yeah, he sexually he's assaulted awful. Her. Is he still in jail? Because he I no, know he did, no. Didn't he get out? Yeah. So yeah. So the worst. Yeah, so you know all about this. Yeah. Right? I do, anyway, do you want to? Yeah. Yeah. So so I'll, I'll talk a bit more about it. So her statement went viral. So yeah. um, Chanel wrote her statement, her victim impact statement, that was twelve pages under a pseudonym of Emily Doe, and she read it out to Brock in court. So he was found. Um, it's not really spoiling anything. The memoir that I'm talking about is Know My Name, yeah. and that's the book that she wrote that was released in September 2019 which is when she actually came out and said, actually, my name is Chanel Miller. Yeah. And she kind of stepped out and was no longer anonymous, which was a really bold and brave move. I think what's really interesting is Brock was found guilty in the trial, but yeah. then I'd, there's so much about the legal system I didn't understand. Because he, he came from money. Yeah, and, and he had some really great knew. lawyers. It's like some, yeah, yeah, it's like, I, yeah, I don't yeah. really want to talk about him though. I want sure, to yeah, talk about her. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the problem that the media and the press mm. focused on him and she was victim, you yeah. know, anonymous. And so her book steps out from behind that and her impact statement talks a lot about that. It's supposed to be to protect her that she's the victim and anonymous and he's yeah. out there in the press. But what happens then is that you are completely isolated. And so everybody talks about the perpetrator. They know his face. It's splashed everywhere and that yeah. must be difficult for him. But he's got teams of people behind him. He's got people talking about him. He's got all of this press about how he's wealthy, he's a swimmer, he's, you know, a grey scholarship There's a thing about like his life to ruin for like 20 seconds of action. Yeah, yeah, 20 minutes. minutes Yeah, exactly. And so she didn't have a voice and so Emily – Doe was she sort of saw as a personification of victimhood, and so when Chanel steps out, she's also um, Asian American mm. of Chinese descent, and she felt that it was really important that she stepped out of anonymity for a lot of reasons. One being that she didn't see herself reflected anywhere in terms of uh, in terms of what happened to her, or no, in like terms her background, of, uh, her background, yeah. who she was, and also for other victims as well. So. Mm. I think what was really special about this victim impact statement was that when the judge, she read it out to Brock in the sentencing hearing, which is after you're found guilty, you then have to go to another sentencing hearing where they, the judge will basically say, this is how, what you should serve. And because of a lot of legal reasons, he was given a really light sentence. So it was six months. 
at a county jail and there were, and then which really only came down to kind of three months. And yeah. that means that you it's something like you still you can get weekends off and things like that as well. So yeah, it was a it very was light sentence. Especially considering what happened to her. Yeah. And so she read the impact statement. Then when the judge gave the sentence, he basically said it was a, you know, a very lighthearted, not lighthearted, but, you know, not a very serious um, thing that happened to her and gave Brock this light sentence. And so then they released her impact statement on BuzzFeed under a pseudonym. Yeah, right. Um, and it went viral. 11 I, I million people. I think I've people. read this actually. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah, 11 million people read it in just four days. Yeah. It was quoted in everywhere from, you know, the New York Times. It was published widely in newspapers. It was quoted in Congress. Good on it, um, Hillary Clinton quoted it at the end of her book, What Happened? Mm. And, yeah, obviously you know you've read it too. Yeah. So it just exploded. I just found her writing is just extraordinarily beautiful. Yeah. It's so Was she a writer before this? Was she a, she no, was a student, so, right? Yeah. So yeah. she was a student um no, she graduated. Yeah. So really what happened to her was that she her younger sister was going to Stanford to this party. Oh, okay. And just she just happened to decide after she graduated, oh, I'll just go along with her. Um, you know, it's cause they're very close. And then she started drinking and it was quite funny and yeah. then she blacked out and the next thing she remembers waking up in a hospital yeah. and with her underwear missing and yeah. pine needles in her hair and it turned yeah. out that she'd blacked out and the only reason she wasn't and two people found her, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So Two foreign exchanges. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she was lying behind a dumpster. Yeah. Brock was on top of her yeah. and two Swedish guys, she calls yeah. them the Swedes, stopped him from like going I guess all the way. If, if I remember you know they, I mean. they were yeah. really upset as well. Like from They were devs. Well, she yeah. was completely blacked out yeah. and, and Brock had her like dress pulled up right over her head, like just all kinds of awful things. And so I think what it highlighted was just how anonymous victims are are yeah. and how powerless they are in the system How and how often and, and the most likely scenario is A, they don't even have enough evidence to charge someone and B, yeah. when they do they get they don't get found guilty and even when they do then these sentences are so light and it all becomes about him and not about yeah. her. And I can and, understand also because you'd want to protect the people involved like if someone wants to be anonymous like you can oh, understand it's that. So but yeah, it's sensitive. Yeah, I don't yeah. really I think, you know, you, I know I don't really think about it from the other person's perspective like because it would be, it would have been incredible. Who do you... Who do you talk to? Like what's your, you know, your side of the story? Yeah, and, and the impact of her being anonymous meant that she couldn't even speak to her close circle about it. So, oh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, and she couldn't speak to her sister about details of that night because her sister was then also a witness and so was her boyfriend. So there was a whole lot of – because he was – she'd called him on the night um, and spoken to him over the phone. And so – Who called the boyfriend? Her boyfriend, yeah, because yeah, he was studying in Does another he place. Does he remember calling him? No, or? but it's recorded. So they Is she hit. drugged or uh, no? So she just had was having freed poured drinks yeah. and just drank too much and yeah. blacked out. Um, yeah, absolutely. Boring yeah, and she was clearly, you know, so intoxicated and needed support and should have been just cared for and taken yeah. home, basically. And so many of us have experienced it. Like so many of us have experienced that kind of blacking out, blackout drunk yeah. at a party, accidentally, you know, someone was pouring shots and that the next thing you know you're throwing up in a corner or something. So I think it yeah, it's um anyway, her book is so much more than that though, because it supports yeah, course, yeah. victims. It it really delves very deeply into what it's like to be a victim 
of, of sexual assault and what the criminal justice system is like for you, how isolating it is. I actually just want to read um, a little bit of how it's described on her um, website because I think it Absolutely, just yeah. summarises it so beautifully. So, no, my name is a gut punch and in the end somehow also blessedly hopeful. It's from the Washington Post. Universally acclaimed, rapturously reviewed and an instant New York Times bestseller, Chanel Miller's breathtaking memoir gives readers the privilege of knowing her not just as Emily Doe, but as Chanel Miller, the writer, the artist, the survivor, the fighter. Her story of trauma and transcendence illuminates a culture biased to protect perpetrators, indicting a criminal justice system designed to fail the most vulnerable and ultimately shining with the courage required to move through suffering and live a full and beautiful life. She She's so funny as well. She's really funny, really creative. Yeah. And what's really interesting as well is that her mother is a writer as well. So she's Chinese. Her mother's name is, and I'll just find it here, her mother, mother's name is Mei Mei Miller, um, pen name Seed Zung, and um, she well, immigrated from also. China yeah. and inspired her daughter to challenge oppression because when her mother was writing in China, she was writing against the regime. Right. And so she writes in Chinese. And so she had to learn, like she moved to America, had to learn English um, even though she's a writer. So there's just so many beautiful descriptions of the way her mother cares for her, her family, her mm. relationship with her sister, just like the rich complexity of her life. And because she's she's quite a quiet person in lots of ways, she's super observant. Yeah. And the way she writes about every everything from the food she eats to the light in the window to what she noticed when she was walking around, it's just I can't wait to read more of her writing. It's just so brilliant. What is she Written anything else, or is no? This so a, that's yeah. her first book, but you mm. can tell she's always wanted to be a children's illustrator and oh, writer. Cool, yeah. well, and she's only, I just looked up. Yeah, she's only twenty eight. So yeah, she's yeah. super young. Um, what's really interesting too is that now, um, why the books kind of come around again, I guess, to be talked about is that she's just released her first art exhibition. Ah. So. Uh, in San Francisco, and I'll just bring it up here, at the Asian Art Museum, I was, I am, I will be, is this beautiful, it's huge, it's like 28 foot or something of her artwork and cartooning, which is just incredible. And she also released uh, like a an animation of her artwork um, and that is so beautiful to watch. It really describes exactly what happened to What's her. It called? The illustration, and I'll just find that too. Oh, the, the video. Um, oh, the video yeah. is called I Am With You and it's just, oh, it's so beautiful to watch. A very simple um, black and white drawings and just, yeah, she's just an incredibly um, articulate, creative, interesting person. And so what I love about this is that from a place of being isolated and alone and having that taken from her, she's now carving herself, a place for herself in the world that is beyond just being the victim of sexual assault or not just but only being the victim of sexual assault and instead when she comes out and, you know, acknowledges her, her name and her face and her art, it's just expansive and wonderful and shows that people are, you know, not just one-dimensional figures in stories like this, you know. So yeah, I think it's um anyway, it's just the most beautiful book. I loved I loved the writing. Um but I but her story I think is just so important. I think it's a classic and something that will be I think it's being read in high schools and by people in the legal system, in the criminal justice system. It's being looked at um at universities as well on how yeah. to better deal with sexual assault cases and 
I think it really speaks to the fact that um, so often victims are voiceless mm. and feel powerless in the face of, you know, these huge kind of universities or systems and just the strengths that it took for her to actually bring Brock to some kind of justice and then for him to get a light sentence. But for her to even bring that, it took a, you know, it's a year out of her life. She basically lost yeah. everything. She stopped working. She couldn't eat. She couldn't sleep. It just consumed her whole being. Yeah. So from being this person, you know, who is just artistic and creative and, you know, studied writing and um, was working at her first job and had this wonderful relationship with her family. It's, um, yeah, it's it's wonderful to see her creating an artwork that is I was, I am, I will be because it's about her understanding that the past is fixed. Yeah. I was is the place in the present that we can only ever be and I will be is her kind of looking to the future. Mm. Um. And there were two things that really stood out to me that I loved that she said, and I just wanted to read them to you. Yeah, sure. So this is something that her mother said to her who had lived through a lot of pain and suffering during her time in China. When I listened to her, I understood, this is her mother, Mm. you have to hold out to see how your life unfolds because it is most likely beyond what you can imagine. It is not a question of if you will survive this, but what beautiful things await you when you do. I had to believe her because she was living proof. Then she said, good and bad things come from the universe holding hands. Wait for the good to come. Hmm. I just think that's so insightful. And that's Yeah, I I completely agree with that as well because it's real, I mean, I would say swings and roundabouts, which is (laughs) not as good a way of saying it, but yeah. No, Mm. yeah, but it is. And I think that's a good lesson to think about through this whole pandemic as well. You have to wait to hang around to see how it ends, you know. And Chanel, I watched her talk about in an interview about that too. You know, now she's presenting her artwork in this way and, Mm. you know, releasing this book that she might, she was always said she'd always, we'd always have written a book, but, you know, this was what she ended up writing about and just how it's transformative. Like she's turned this like, horrible event into something really positive, which is like beyond her as well, which is really incredible. Exactly. I mean, she's received thousands and thousands of letters from survivors of assault who were just thanking her for her words. Um, Mm. The other thing she said that kind of just so hit home to me is particularly to do with her exhibition, I Was, I Am, I Will Be, is that healing when you've been through trauma is cyclic. It's not linear. So you're returning to that awful place to forge something And it helps you each time you return to it to find in your past experiences more that will form your current character. Yeah, right. Does that make sense? So it's kind of mining the trauma that's happened to you and it's not linear. You do keep going back to it but each time you revisit it, you find something in it um, to draw strength from Mm. if you let it. And I think that that I guess that's also the difficulty of trauma is that in order to heal, you do have to go back to that same place and yeah, address right. it. But I thought that that was such a beautiful and articulate way of understanding pain. Mm. And her mum talks about how pain is transformative, much more than happiness and contentment is, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's probably not inaccurate. Yeah. yeah, it's very true, I think. Trial I mean, by fire. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I just think that the uh, pain is what actually grows us and pushes us in new directions. Definitely, yeah. Um, you know, if you stay in your comfort zone, you never really see what's out there. No, you'd, yeah. yeah. And and so it's the best way I think that we can think of because, you know, no one escapes trauma and pain in their life in no. whatever form it comes in. 
So um, that's something also that I always think about when terrible things happen to you. You just you think, well, here it is. He's, it's not that it's my fault. It's not that. Um, I mean, sometimes it's your <laughs> sometimes fault. It could be, no, I just mean that it's not like there's something wrong with me and that's why life is well, hard. Well, something, you know. You know, Glennon Doyle always talks about how if life is hard, you're doing it right, you know, because mm. it is. And so when wonderful things happen to you, God, you just have to lean into that joy yeah. and you have to stick around to find them because they will happen just as assuredly as terrible things happen, incredibly beautiful things happen mm. to you. Okay. If you're open to it though, you know. Ah, uh, don't put your cynicism on this one. That's not cynicism. <laughs> I never know with you. Can't even be genuine, not in for a second. <laughs> I know because well, to keep so on the topic of if we're keeping it deep, we're keeping it real. Mm. I'd like to talk about Super Mario All Stars 3D, <laughs> which is the new collection <laughs> of 3D <laughs> Mario games, which encompass Mario 64 from the Nintendo 64. Mario Sunshine, a controversial <laughs> entry into the title where Mario has a water jetpack which he uses to traverse the landscape, and Mario Galaxy, often considered one of the classic Mario games of all time. Anyway, so I'm, I'm speaking of difficult things, Claire. Mario 64 is a nightmare of a game to play, and I stopped playing it. I thought it would be fun to revisit this game, but it is broken. And I stopped playing it because the camera can, the control, it's like, it's a game. It's a, one of the early 3D games and the camera's horrible and it's a fun world and all that. But I'm like, they should have fixed this. This is fucked. So I started, <laughs> I played it for like quite a long time and I got quite far in. I'm like, I'm just not having fun. So I skipped it and I went to the last one, Mario Galaxy, and that's a fun one. But now I have, I've stopped playing because I'm busy. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's where I'm at with Mario uh, hey, All-Stars Hey, swings, yeah. swings and roundabouts, mate. Swings and roundabouts. I know. I feel like a fool talking about this game. <laughs> no, but I think we got a lot of emails saying that Mario is I told their you jam. That's what it's about. I think the problem with 3D games is, especially the early ones, they're not they were still in their infancy and there was so much to be figured out as opposed to like the 2D Mario games. It's like it's they're beautifully designed and they're really straightforward. But when you've got a 3D environment and you're also wrestling a camera, it's like it's just it's re- they should have fixed it. They didn't. Like they should have gone and actually altered a lot of these things that, you know, needed to be changed to update them, just little things, like keep most of it the same. But they didn't. And maybe they will, they won't. But that's that's where I'm at with uh, Super Mario All-Stars 3D. And I can't <laughs> wait for Super Mario 3D Land next year. What's 3E Land? E 3D Land. Land. It's like oh, a 3D Land. I thought that, in my head I went, 3E Land? They've created another dimension. Another and then one. I thought that would be 4D, Claire, not that's, 3E. <laughs> uh, that's, what is it? Super Mario, that was, uh, no, no, fourth dimension is is time. Oh, it would okay. be a time traveling Super All right, Mario well, I game. I haven't thought about it that deeply. But yeah, look, you know, get out there. You like video games, Claire? No. Then don't worry about it. Good, I won't. Should I keep playing Super Mario Galaxy, people? Should I go back to Super Mario Sunshine, the one that people consider some classic, some people <laughs> consider it not that good? These are the questions I agree. of our lives. Do you have anything else? Yeah, I do. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. 
And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's so awesome. I've got another recommendation that I bloody loved and I can't wait to talk. I've recommended it to so many people. Can I talk? Yes? Uh, Excellent. Let me check my notes. Um, six to Mario, six to four, okay. broke me. It's old. <laughs> okay, I'm no, let me talk and about the this. camera sucks. I'm just I going to talk about the an side scroll is age better. Skip to Mario Galaxy, uh, oh, God, but, but then I stopped because okay. I'm tired and busy. Yep, okay, that's all my notes. <laughs> We're gone. All right, okay, I want to talk about a fabulous show on Netflix called My Octopus Teacher. I saw Octopus Teacher. Oh, it's so good. I know. You, people always ask us whether we watch things together or not. We actually don't. Because <laughs> we like very different things and also for this show. No, also we, we watch things at different times. We do. We're, we're not awake. At the same or time. free at the same time. No, no, yeah. exactly. Because you stay up late working and I stay up till 9.30. That's right. <laughs> Watching my things. And sneaking them in. No, you watched Mission Impossible 2 the other night I with did. Me. We watched that together. And well, what you watched a time about, that was. You watched about 45 minutes of it. What a sexist, misogynist time that you was. You loved Mission Impossible yeah, 2. Yeah, I really enjoyed you it. You loved it. <laughs> I did. I really enjoyed it, even though it was so problematic. It's also not uh, a good movie. No, but it was <laughs> anyway, fun. Anyway, go on. It was a fun time. Okay, anyway. My Octopus Teacher is a 2020 Netflix original documentary film directed by Pippa Elrelich. El- I will say that wrong. Oh, anyway. And James Reed. It stars Craig Foster, who also produced the film, and it captures a year in Craig's life where he that he spent with a wild octopus on the coast of South Africa. Yes. At this really wild beach. And from the outset I thought, really? A whole a whole doco with one octopus? Well, that's what I thought because often with that, if you don't mind me, Claire, jumping in for a minute – Often with, you know, with deep sea documentaries, they're like, look at this fish. Now look at this different fish. Now look at all these fish. <laughs> this is like the one octopus for like an hour and a half. No, it's 40 minutes. It's for 40 minutes. <laughs> you must have but paused it, it and is, come back, right? It is the most extraordinary documentary and mm. the story is told so beautifully I cried at the end. And so many of my friends who've watched it then ring me immediately and go, oh, my goodness, and I go, I know. <laughs> I think it's amazing because it captures the life of this octopus in a way. He's there for most of the octopus's life because I didn't realise that they live for only around a year. That's right. Um, and so he's there for 80% of its life. And octopuses are super – octopi are super smart. They're like at least the intelligent of a, of a cat or a dog, mm. which I didn't really understand. It's just incredible. I mean they have – They can open jars. You can teach an octopus to open a well, jar, there mate. you go. But the way this octopus interacts with him, he builds the trust with it and um, mm. it becomes – it comes to see him as a friend. At one point he loses the octopus and he, tr- he manages to teach himself how to track her through the ocean and find her, which mm. is just incredible. All the extraordinary – tiny elements by visiting the one ecosystem and that one spot, he really becomes one with that environment yeah. and understands what it means to be a part of nature. And he watches it like transform over the yeah, year. Cause yeah, yeah. Because it's literally like the same place every day. Yeah, and yeah. so there are things that happen in its life that are like really heartbreaking and mm. then kind of extraordinary. I think what it touched on as well, which I loved, is – that idea of um, us being so separate from our environment mm. and nature and how when nature is wild and left or left preserved in its own devices, how intricate and connected it is, 
how sad it is. I got really sad that we live so separately from our place and sense of space and that I get terrified of the ocean because I don't understand it. Mm. And there's so much knowledge, I think, that we've lost over hundreds of years of human beings being in the world that we li- we've kind or of- Or even never had or, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I think that we did have it at one point in our history. Yeah, you're probably right. And I think it's really sad that we don't understand nature enough to feel comfortable enough in it and a part of it, even though we absolutely are. And we're living alongside organisms and animals and creatures, even when we live in a city, you know, Mm. it's just that we've sort of built parameters around us to try not to think about that. And it also made me reflect on climate change and how, you know, that idea of what we do to ourselves, we do to the planet. And I think it just, I got, I went very deep. And I think also he, Craig, the guy who who spent the year with the wild octopus, suffered from mental health issues before that Mm. and found that returning to the ocean that he'd spent a lot of time in as a child and becoming part of that nature again. Like a a garden, like a secret garden. Yeah, and it became really healing for him and the octopus taught him a lot about himself, about life, about resilience, about growth. Um, That's true. He'd go down in the water and every day and the octopus would have a chalkboard and a pair of glasses <laughs> and be like, right, Tuesday's resilience class. <sighs> anyway, I think we have a lot to learn. I just think um, the simplicity of, you know, just observing mm. and being a part of nature and taking things more slowly and it's really important. I feel like it's got a real kind of Charlotte's Web kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess so. Do you know what I mean by yeah, that? Yeah, I do know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like heartbreaking and poignant. Yeah, and there's a yeah. rat that eats through a, like a dumpster in it as well. It's <laughs> yeah. like a hot and he has a Does song. a little it's dance. A whole thing. Yeah, yeah with, uh, yeah. and there's a small pig in the ocean too. Small pig in the ocean, yeah. Correct. Yeah, anyway. I would definitely so. recommend Marktopus Teaches Me Things About Life and Depression. <laughs> Well worth it. Anyway, um, yeah, it was a beautiful thing. So I didn't know they lived for a year because then like yeah. someone's like, oh, lobsters live for a thousand years. I'm like, cool. And yeah. then they're like, octopus <laughs> lives for one. And I'm like, what? It seems they're just the most – I didn't realize octopus camouflage and just yeah. change colour so I knew much. that was they're smart. Beautiful. But I also was told, and maybe it's a different type of octopus, that they have a very like poor short-term memory. So you can teach them how to open a jar but then like – the next day they won't remember and you have to reteach them. Well, that didn't them. seem that like seem that. Like, no, I mean, maybe that's a different The octopus type. was teaching itself how to hunt different creatures and he watched yeah, it that's crazy. experiment and experiment to try and figure out how to hunt like lobster so many and crayfish. Yeah. Because like, every creature is different and horrible in its own way. And then yeah. there's sharks <laughs> hunting it. The whole thing, man. Yeah, it's and just the way the, um, her tentacles worked. Yeah, and then oh god, the bit where she has baby—I won't spoil it—but the bit where she has babies made me like, oh my god, so sad. Yeah, got a lot of footage as well. This dude. Oh yeah, incredible, mm. incredible. I just, I, the idea of being in the ocean like that is just terrifying to me. But that wasn't—I don't know—it didn't seem that way in this one. I don't know. It still freaks me out. Mm. I, I mean, it was dangerous. Like, don't mean, yeah, like, not so much really for dangerous him, but ocean. Like for, but yeah. also, I think mm. the um, those sort of the seaweed, the kelp forest that he was yeah. in, kelp and seaweed, I think, is incredible. And we did that fundraising campaign to regrow kelp forests. How's that going? Do you think? Um, yeah, I don't know. With the pandemic, I haven't checked in recently. I hope the kelp forests don't burn down. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, it still freaked me out, but I would totally recommend that. All right. 
That's it. Okay. Hey, man, uh, I bet everybody loved this show. And you know what? There's something you can do if you love this show. You can actually review it in-app, just open it up, pop in a five stars if you want to. You know what I mean? It's totally up to you. Like this person, Pollen and Soap, who says, this podcast is great. I've been a listener of the Weekly Planet for years now, and I just started this one. You and your wife. Hey. <laughs> hey, I don't have a name, uh, but cool. No, uh, uh, extremely entertaining, helpful and hilarious. I cracked up. Uh, at the Meaning of Life episode, your wife's laughter after calling you frogging pants made me laugh. Made my, <laughs> me and my wife laugh for hours. So there you go. Oh, excellent. Changing wives here. Totally. Wives. Mm. I would like to know your wife's name. My wife's name, Claire. His wife's name. Oh. Excellent. No, it said pollen and soap. So presumably he's pollen and she's soap. Oh, that vice makes versa. sense. Excellent. Excellent. Cool. All right. You can also email the show with recommendations um, yeah. at suggestiblepod at gmail.com. We love to get recommendations. This email is from Peter Bobbs. Hi. Almost every week for the last few months, my pregnant wife and I watched a mock documentaries and work on a puzzle. I've started working on a puzzle oh too God, after uh, yeah, a suggestion and this email. We're now about six months into the pandemic, seven months into the pregnancy, and on quarantine puzzle number eight. Ugh. Man, that's intense. This week we started watching The Vow on HBO, which is a look into Scientology group called NXIVM, pronounced Nexium, and it is extremely engaging and frightening. I'd first heard about this group on James's less successful podcast, The Weekly Planet, a Hello. few years ago. Uh, excuse me, more successful, but go on. All right. In relation to the Smallville actress Alison Mack and like other self-improvement oh, yeah, that groups. Oh, insane. Yeah, it starts out with bits of truth about self-esteem and visualisation but ultimately leads to a hierarchy where the people in charge have power over the others. Yeah, it's real The bad. doco series has some twists and turns and gets darker and darker as it deep dives into the group. We're three episodes in and completely sold. Also, puzzles are a great activity to do together as a couple. And it really leads to a sense of accomplishment when you are done. Disagree. I doubted at first, but now I'm a believer and so on the cult now. Thank you, Peter. And you know what? I uh, have started a puzzle this week and you keep laughing at me because it's kind of making me stressed out. I you don't like- seem like you're enjoying it. <laughs> it seems like you're going to work, like you're clocking in and you sit down and you're like, <sighs> and you got like, you got like your mug there, like your coffee. You look like you could have like a cigarette in one hand, a coffee in the other as you pour it over this puzzle. Well, part of it is because I have my glasses broke and yeah. so I'm doing it with like blurry eyes. But look, it's it feels... That's called extreme puzzling. That's like <laughs> the extreme sport version of puzzles. Look, got to get you kicked so you can, shit. mate. Look, I think... I have no patience for that. Do you know why? You want to do it as a couple? No, Peter I don't. Couple. I really don't because at the end it's like, oh, shit, it looks like the picture on the front of the box. <laughs> What a surprise. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm trying if to find hobbies. If you did it and it was like. hobbies are good for your mental health. And it was health. like, you're a dumbass or like something like that. It was like you waste. Like I'm sure they exist but like a surprise puzzle where like it only comes together at the end. And it's like, <laughs> fuck you, you wasted your time. I'd be like, yeah, fair play, I did. Look, here are the things that I like about it. It feels good for your brain. It feels like you're exercising your brain in a different way and I like that. I like the feeling of the pieces. They're quite satisfying. I like the little tap tap and it slots in place. That is very satisfying. Yeah. However, what is stressing me out is it feels like when you're watching a series and you're like four series in or something and there's so many episodes to go and you really need to get to the end because you want to know what happens. But you kind of hate it and you got crumbs on your chest from like watching a thousand episodes, which sure. never happens to me anymore because I have no time to watch TV. However, remember that feeling? That's kind of the yeah, feeling I'm at where do. I can't stop doing it. Yeah, I want to get wa- to the if end. You wanna, if you want to know what it is, just look at the box. It's on the box. That's not the point, James. It's the satisfaction of completing it. I'm actually really enjoying it. 
I think I'm erring on the side of enjoying it. Would you do th- uh, 3D puzzles? You know, those ones that are like. Nah. Nah? Like nah. you'll do like the Arc de Triomphe and it's like in 3D. Oh, nah. I don't know. Because, no, they would annoy me because I would be clicking together things and nah. I'm yeah. happy with flat. You're right. A thousand pieces, James. A thousand. Yeah. Well, 999. I think we should do it together as a couple. I think. I'm as not going to waste my prize time. To me. No, I'm not going to waste my time by doing a puzzle. Right. I would rather lie on my face in the backyard in the dirt. <laughs> my God, our backyard is literally I don't taking talk about over. It's stressing me out, all right? It's please. stressing me out too. We live in a jungle we'll now. We're talking about this backyard, all right? <laughs> okay, it's terrifying. All we need to do is trim it back a little bit where it's not as embarrassing and then we can hire a guy for a day. <laughs> yeah, we can't. Find like, someone Here's to come over. Bucks. <laughs> Fix our yard, please. I don't think we could have. I think it would cost like a, maybe. That's even why a I mean, like, we dollars. need to like get. We need to like <laughs> knock the top off it. Yeah, and then get someone it's in. Really it's clean. like if you get a cleaner right, then you clean the house beforehand. So you're like, I'm not. I'm not a pig. A total insane yeah. person. Yeah, well, like you know, for like hotel rooms. There are weeds like, out there that are taller than our son. I went to grab a weed, and it was like <laughs> it was just all barbs, and I'm like, nah. <laughs> It was, it's fucking huge. It was like yeah. as big as this table. I know. I'm pretty sure it took a swing at me when I came in close. Yeah. See, I'm terrified of it because the thing is with our garden, I used to be the person before I got pregnant, I would just go out there and posher and fix it up, mm. right? However, because I just let it go for like, I reckon a good six months, I've not, not done anything it. to not it. Actually, shit. longer because now our baby is four months. So it's probably like, Ten months. It's probably a year, really, realistically. Yeah, it's since probably. anyone has done anything properly to it, and the, you've mown the grass. Like well, twice. actually, no, I've I mowed the grass a couple of times, and I did clear out like the veggie patch at once or something. Oh like, yeah, it's stressing me out, but it's just it's just it's, come back. It's terrifying, and it's because it's been winter. It's been raining so much. Yeah. Anyway, this is not exciting to anyone else. Anyway, but I if think we, we don't just, hear from us next week, it's because our garden just, has taken over. We should just pave it. Like at the start, do you remember the intro to Animals of Farthingwood? How they get, <laughs> they get, do you remember that horrible show where yeah. like it was just yeah. about animal, it was about death mostly. It's like, you know how everything's bad, you're going to die. That was what that show was about. But the intro was because they get kicked out of their forest. People might remember this from the 90s. But they're just like pouring concrete over the hills. Like they don't even level it. They're just like splash. And they just like put it down. <laughs> it's just like hitting trees and like it's just guns. I'm like, what are you even making here? Just, <laughs> you're not, not going to level it? You're not going to dig a ditch or something? Anyway, what's next? Nothing, isn't it? Let's go. i got to go pick up something for my parents. <laughs> He's stressing out about my birthday. Well, I have to go because it's locked down in 20 minutes. All so right, gotta, okay. So long. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks, oh, thanks, Collings, for editing. And we've been suggestible pod. Please follow us. You can find me at Eclair20 on Instagram. You can't Instagram. find me anywhere. Leave me alone. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want, it's up to you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.